0: You've tuned into to Geek Elite Radio. Good luck! The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys, and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. page. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geeks Watch, for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch, John. This week we're here. We are finishing up. We're we're in the the home stretch for the end of Electric Dreams on Amazon. that I'm happy about that. Yeah,
1: I, this this can't finish any quicker.
0: Yeah, so yeah, we're we're going to be talking about episode nine uh, of Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams on Amazon. Uh, when we get to that, we will get to that. But first, let's talk about some geek news. I think there's a lot on the docket for us today. Yeah. Uh, all right. First thing we want to talk about, I think everybody wants to talk about. Henry Cavill. Is he in or is he out as Superman over at Warner Brothers? What do you? I, so let me let me recap it here. I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, some sources, quote unquote sources, tell Hollywood Reporter that Henry Cavill is out as Superman at. The DC Films division, whatever you want to call it, um, people start going rampant, like "Oh my God, I can't believe it! Can't believe it!" kind of thing. A lot of a lot of the internet's like, "Oh, he was the best part of the DC movies. You know, he finally figured out, or they finally figured out how to do Superman right at the end of Justice League, and now you are gonna get rid of him." Like, I and I, I kind of feel the same way. Like, I really felt like he finally became Superman at the end of Justice League, and I was happy with that. Was like literally the only thing I was happy with in that whole movie. Uh, but not too long later, pretty much the end of the day, you had Henry Cavill's manager, which I think her name is Danny Garcia, uh, comes out and says he is not out. They are in negotiations. They are talking still. And, uh, then you have Henry Cavill himself on his Instagram do a video of, he's sitting there. With a Krypton lifting shirt on, lifting team shirt on, and he's slowly bringing a Superman action figure into frame. But in the back, you have, or in the background, you have uh, dogs barking to the tune of what would you say it was? I think it's the Blue Danube. Okay, yeah, that one. I mean, some kind of like it's like music that you usually associate with like ballroom dancing, It's like a waltz or something. Yeah. Like that. So, what do you? What's your take on this whole thing?
1: I am just as baffled by what's happening because of the lack of clarity with which this is going on. So, yeah, the the first reporting of this uh, began sometime this past Wednesday. Um, It's now been like four days since then. Mm -hmm. And still no clarification on what exactly is going on. Like, they haven't come out with an official statement. Nobody has flat out said, oh, this is some
0: exaggeration. Well... Warner Brothers has come out with an, 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 a, a statement, and their statement was, and I'm going to get this wrong because I'm paraphrasing, but it's uh, essentially they were saying, look, we love Henry Cavill. Not that we loved, but we love him. Uh, we are still looking forward to doing projects with him, but there's nothing in there that says that he's not going to be Superman, and there's nothing in there that says he's still going to be Superman
1: yeah and i think zach snyder also kind of chimed in recently oh in, no where it was just as equally cryptic where it's a statement that neither confirms nor denies uh any of this um but if you read between the lines based on what somebody else was saying because i didn't see it uh he's expressing sadness
0: that henry cavill wouldn't be superman anymore. yes
1: so I was like, well, I mean, if somebody would know, it probably would be Zack Snyder at this point. I don't know how I, involved he is anymore. But
0: see, but that's that's one of the things is that I feel like Zack Snyder is very much... He loves to troll Warner Brothers now at this point. Like, he just, like, wants to say things at them to be like, Hey, uh, you guys fucked me over and took me off the project after I worked hard on it. So fuck you. Yeah, so...
1: I mean who knows what's happening at this point that's just so confusing Well it's
0: then for you would you, would you would you prefer Henry Cavill stay on as Superman or do you think that they need to just start over No I mean like why throw the baby
1: out with the bathwater like Superman I thought his portrayal was fine I mean I I wasn't a big fan of the scripts for this but it's uh it's I, th- I thought he did a fine job as Clark Kent I like his Superman um, and it, like somebody else had stated before, it sounds like they were kind of getting the character right now after they basically redid, the reimagined the universe after Justice League. And, I don't know, maybe he's just making a really political move to hold up for more money or something, but I just feel like it would be a terrible loss to, like, not have him do it anymore, and... Then who knows what else we could have taken his place at this point?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's already rumors going around of who it is that, that they think they're gonna that's gonna get to play it, like Michael B. Jordan or uh, you know whoever else they that people say they've seen going into casting um, meetings with uh, Warner Brothers. But I, I think that's that's all that's all premature and, and conjecture and speculation and shit.
1: I mean, this is why it's very fitting whenever you see a, a meme that shows. Uh, warner brothers uh studios and it's a picture of a dumpster fire right (laughs) this would really tie into that um it's why i don't know it would be a really bad move in my opinion to recast him with anybody and then just not acknowledge it i mean i would rather they do like a reign of the superman situation and say oh when he was brought back by the mother box it was and now it's the eradicator, and just get a different actor that looks similar, and, right. and and then go down that route instead of whatever they're doing now. And I mean, you already have established characters like Wonder Woman isn't going anywhere. No, that right now that's the only thing keeping it afloat.
0: I I'll do you this though. I mean, I think the Wonder Woman two is going to do really well in the box office, but I don't think it's going to be well as received as the first one. Like the little bit I saw at San Diego Comic Con, I don't think is was good, and I don't think that uh, uh, audiences are going to take to it like they did the first movie.
1: You think it's going to be in a completely different direction?
0: I think that Warner Brothers has decided that all the movies need to be goofy now because look <laughs> at the trailer you get for Aquaman, and it doesn't matter what the character actually calls for, or the story calls for. They're just going to be like, Well, we'll just be silly. We'll just, we'll just be silly with these characters now because they want silly movies, they don't want dark movies. And I kind of just want to be like, you don't think that there's a you know a, a middle ground anywhere? I think Marvel does a great job of middle grounding between silly and dark. Uh, I think you also take into account what did it, what character you're talking about. Like Shazam, yeah, you can have a silly joke, you know, silly character in that. Aquaman, he's supposed to be a little bit more stern, but yet we got you know Surfer dudes, Aquaman now, and uh, Wonder Woman. Is it supposed to be, I think, she, I consider her to be more about compassion, but now it sounds like she's going to be more, it seems like she's going to be a little bit more goofy.
1: Do you think they could do a goofy, well, not counting the Joel Schumacher movies, do you
0: think they could do a goofy Batman in this uh, continuity? I I definitely think they could do it. Like, look at all the jokes that they make. Ben Affleck make in that in Justice League.
1: Okay, well, one that does justice to the character and his history, as opposed to just oh jokes because of him being old or injured or you know getting too old for this shit kind do, of thing. Do
0: I do I think that they're going to do it, or do I think they could? Can they do it well? Can they do it well? No. I don't think Batman leads itself to being a goofy movie. Like, I think if you want goofy Batman, you go back and watch the Adam West Batman 66 stuff.
1: See, and this is part of the problem is that
0: Nolan kind of screwed it
1: up for everyone that came after. Because he did that version of Batman so well. But I I think that only works in that, like continuity you the, can't the continuity just, where
0: there's no superman or wonder woman yeah there's no
1: magic in the world i, mean, I, d- I don't
0: just... I, d- I disagree i think you can do that i think you can make those movies i mean look you got iron man and thor existing in the same universe i mean iron man's super tech technique techie and stuff and thor is all about alien dimension or however you want it, whatever you consider thor and then there's adam strange like you got uh, not adam strange doctor <laughs> strange <laughs> which is Stephen Strange. Stephen Strange. Adam right. Strange is DC. So, anyway, Stephen Strange, Doctor <laughs> Doctor Strange, like that's pure magic and, you know, you got Tony and making fun of him in uh, Avengers Infinity War.
1: Yeah, but they had to work up to that. The first Iron Man was completely grounded. Then the you're second right. movie after that was Hulk. So now you're introducing like the whole gamma radiation right. and mutations. Uh, which then one? iron man 2 then iron man 2 then you had thor right and then uh, after that you had captain america Mm-hmm. and that's set up for you know the avengers and now you have aliens that was uh what well, technically thor being an alien as well yeah
0: but people don't think of it as midgard and asgard being or asgard being an alien planet they just think of it as a higher dimension
1: are they like they're superhumans basically? Right. Aliens?
0: I mean they yeah, they're just beings from another dimension, but people think of them as gods. Uh, I, I mean they are aliens. That's that's how I look at it. Yeah.
1: They're cosmic beings.
0: It's just like, you know, in that first Avengers movie. Yeah. When when Maria Hill's explaining to Cap like he's a god and he goes, My God doesn't look like that. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm a, a a Christian or anything like that. I just think I never refer to that version of Thor that's in the Marvel comics as gods. I think of them as aliens.
1: And yet, I like a really small reference in uh, the twenty ninety nine comics for the Punisher. How his family uh, he wasn't religious, but his family like went to church uh, to the Church of Thor.
0: Really. And they funny. even
1: carried the little, like, Mjolnir, like, necklaces. Medallions
0: or pendants or something? Yeah,
1: pendants and stuff. Yeah, that was pretty neat. I was like, oh, so, like, in the future, Thor's now, like, in god status again. Well, you
0: know, that's what, one of the things that I always, like, Like, there's, there's stories in the DC universe where, you know, people go to the Church of Superman. People go to the Church of Wonder Woman. Like, the Justice League are essentially gods, too.
1: Yeah, that's in part of the title, Gods Among Us. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, that's, that is that's true. That's in the, the video game, Ju- um, Injustice Gods Among Us.
1: But um, yeah, like, I don't know. Every time I think
0: of Justice
1: League, as much as I want to imagine a Justice League that could fit in the Nolanverse, I, it always just falls back to like Super Friends to me, <laughs> with which is basically like an Adam West style Batman. Yes. Because it's like super colorful. He's got like the light blue and the gray outfit. And like, you know, Aquaman rides a giant seahorse and talks to fish telepathically. Well, that's
0: what you're getting in the Aquaman movie. And Wonder Woman
1: has an invisible jet. And, uh,
0: look, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that it is possible. I think that you could have introduced those characters in the Nolan universe. Uh, but it would have been, it would have been weird. I think you're absolutely (laughs) right. It would have been strange. So, uh, I, I really feel like you can get the right writer-director to to figure it out so that you can do the balance. It just hasn't happened yet.
1: Well, definitely. I think, well, and here's part of the problem, and you're going to probably fight me on this. Oh, yeah. But I'm just going to throw it out there. I think we rely, well, DC relied too much on the Foundation Slate by Goyer. Okay. And Goyer has a, a very, I don't want to say
0: limited, but but man of steel was good like goyer wrote man of steel that's a good movie other than the fact that i don't agree with how they dealt with uh pa kent and and superman like the whole kevin costner telling him to not save him kind of thing makes me angry i was talking about this with some other people too so you go back and watch the 1979 superman movie i think it's called superman the movie
1: the motion picture I is think? it the
0: motion picture? No, because it's the it's Star Trek the motion picture. Oh. I think it's just Superman the movie. Superman the movie, yeah. So you have Superman the movie where Clark comes, you know, comes home one one afternoon. He he tells his dad, "Hey, let's let's race to the house," kind of thing from the driveway. And as he's running to the house, you know, his dad has a heart attack. But it's it's too late for him to realize that his dad is having a heart attack. So he doesn't he he can't save him. Like he can't save him. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Man of Steel. His dad tells him not to save him, so he's being told not to save him, like to hide. To, that's the difference of the two things. Like, the Superman in the first movie realizes he he realizes a lesson that he can't save everybody. In the second, in, in Man of Steel. He's being told he shouldn't save everybody.
1: Right. And that's another scene too when they're talking about the bus that goes over the bridge. And he was like, Was that just supposed to let them drown? And, and he was like, that, maybe. Maybe, yeah. That's <laughs> like, that, that, okay. that Kevin
0: that that Paw Kent tells him maybe. And it's like, that is the wrong thing. So I'll give you that. Goyer sets up a world that that, that doesn't treat Superman right. That doesn't portray Superman right. But also then again, those- you go into Batman v. Superman and we get that's a Batman where a young Bruce sees his father stand up to or like try to fight the guy who shoots him, shoots his parents, as opposed to the other Batman origins where we see a, uh, a, a Thomas Wayne that protects his wife, even though like he puts he makes himself a shield for his wife and son and then gets shot for it. Instead of in this one, it's he goes and he goes up there and he throws he tries to throw a punch and then gets shot. Like, it's a slight difference. But there is a difference. It's a big
1: difference. Yeah. And I think that's the problem is that um, there's well-established canon for these how these characters are supposed to function. And for the sake of modernizing or uh, maybe just switching it up a little bit because they're like, well, everybody knows this. Let's um, Let's keep up with the times or something. Uh yeah, they throw in the well now. Thomas Wayne, you know, he wasn't some wimp. He was gonna fight back. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it fundamentally changes. It's it to me. It's the same thing as uh, you know, Greedo or sh- yeah, Greedo shooting first. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's like that fundamentally changes Han Solo as a character. You're right. You're absolutely because right. Because now he's just acting in self defense. Whereas you're not supposed to. If this is your first time watching Star Wars, you don't know if you should trust him or not. And you're not supposed to be, like, on his side until the very end when he pulls that heroic last-minute save. Up until then, he's just someone that you're supposed to take at face value as being in it only for himself and wants to get the heck out of Dodge as soon as he gets the chance. And something like this, yeah, like, that's not really Thomas Wayne. You know, Then then that's not really... pocket Kent. Pa Kent, then... Uh, I mean, other the women's names are still Martha, though, so <laughs> that's
0: good. So we still get that. Well, speaking about the, the Batman in the in the DC universe, you know, once again, people are... John Hamm was was being interviewed by Graham Benzinger. I don't know this person, but uh, he was in once again the the rumor of Hey, would you do? Ba- would you be Batman? Came up, and he said, "You know, I have had this is his quote. He said, I have had rumors about this since probably season one of Mad Men." I have never had a conversation with anybody about it, literally, and I've sat in the room with all these guys. I have never been offered anything. I think the Internet wants what it wants, but I mean a lot of people have to sign off on that, obviously, not just the Internet. So, I mean, sure, he says he, he, he would I, I, uh, was, it, was it, I'd probably fit the suit. I'd have to work out a lot, which I don't love. But I am sure there's interesting versions of that being out there, and if they wanted to tap me on the shoulder and ask ask me to do it, why not? So, how would you feel about John Ham being Bruce Wayne, Batman?
1: I could see it. I like John Ham.
0: I mean, that would definitely be going against the what we've been hearing of this uh, Matt Reeves the Batman movie. He's supposed to be a younger Batman. Isn't uh, it supposed to be? Uh, it's not supposed to be your one.
1: Jake Gyllenhaal or something.
0: Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal went in to talk, but I think he was talking about something else. I, once again, when people just show up at the Warner Brothers, people at the Warner Brothers, like uh, executive offices, people just want to be like, oh, is he, is he reading for something from, from Warner Brothers, you know, kind of thing. But I think they don't realize that Uh, Or, I mean, sorry, for for DC, but they don't realize that there's other movies being made at Warner Brothers. Yeah, there's uh, a lot more than just superhero properties these days. Especially for Warner Brothers, because I don't think that they're too happy with their superhero properties. Like I think they're seeing Disney make these Marvel movies, and they're like, ah, we could be making that money. But then they make those movies, and they're like, We spent a whole bunch of money on this, and we got nothing in return. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to buy a toy of Steppenwolf that
1: looks like it's a figure that's already melting. <laughs> it's
0: like so undefined. <laughs> it really is. So uh, I I don't know. I just think that it was, uh, I don't think that Jake Gyllenhaal signed on anything. Obviously, he's going to be in the Spider-Man movie now. So As uh, Mysterio? I I think, I don't know if they've walked that back yet. I think that was the initial reports that he was going to be playing Mysterio, but I don't know if that's true anymore. Uh, and that's going to be for Far From Home, Spider-Man yeah. Far From Home spider-man far from home yeah
1: i don't know i mean it'd be interesting the, there's plenty of
0: villains in the spider-man canon that haven't been tapped yet <laughs> this is too true uh and then i mean it's still speaking about superman over at Rocksteady video games uh a job posting went up that a lot of people were saying that hey this is for them to make a uh uh superman video game Let's see uh Today's official website lists 20 job vacancies that need to be filled according to the posting applicants will work on a highly anticipated triple A title for the next generation platforms um I don't know exactly where that comes off of Superman but that's what people were talking about I mean with the
1: recent success of the Spider-Man game on the PS4 I, I don't mean-
0: think I don't think recent success is is a uh, big enough <laughs> uh designation for that it's it is huge it's an understatement yeah um yeah so again
1: i'm sure someone at warner brothers interactive is probably like we want some of that marvel video game money <laughs> we got all these characters that we could do something you know so why then, wouldn't
0: they? i mean they have four batman games four batman arkham games there was a arkham asylum arkham city arkham origin and then arkham knight and i i believe they all did really well so if yeah. you did something the similar with Superman, I don't see why not.
1: Definitely. Again though, like would it fit with
0: that aesthetic or would it be a brightly colored Metropolis? Um, I don't understand what your problem. You're the reason why they made Ma- Man of Steel the way they did. Like what's your problem with brightly colored Superman? He's supposed to be bright. Yes, he's he supposed is. to be the opposite of, Super, of I, Batman. I, that's what
1: exactly what I'm requesting that they make it bright. Oh,
0: uh, okay. Like, they never mind like primary
1: color superman not the garbage that we got on screen that like you have to turn up the saturation on your tv just to like be able to make out the shapes
0: you can't even you can't tell the difference between the color of superman's outfit and the dark stormy sky behind him exactly he just blends in he's just like invisible (laughs) it's like it's so dark
1: it practically looks black it's true it's it's really off-putting but then
0: when they had the opportunity to put him in the superman black suit for justice league they decided not to well because they wouldn't
1: show up on camera it was probably <laughs> like that Vanta black material oh. that just looked like a black hole in space <laughs> uh
0: which i think they did say they filmed some of this stuff but then we took it out for his his cut of the movie oh
1: yeah they filmed a bunch of stuff i saw a really interesting well, i mean YouTube specifically video. that the black oh, the, suit Hey, am it yeah yeah, I wonder what that would, that would have looked cool, I think, if they would have done it. But then from what I saw, apparently that whole ending sequence was supposed to take place in a more nighttime setting. And all of that orange background was added, like, in post, <laughs> which looks horrible. It, that whole end of that movie
0: is just ridiculous. No one knows what the hell is going on.
1: That was, I, I'd love to see documentaries on these things. Unfortunately, John Schnepp, I believe, who's kind of making a lot of these kinds of things or working well, he was. on them. Yeah. Well, yeah, like with um, with the success of The Death of Superman Lives. Right. Which is fantastic. It is a great documentary. Um, Well,
0: his wife or I don't know if she was actually his wife, his longtime girlfriend and producing partner uh, was on a Kevin Smith podcast not too long ago where she said there is a lot of stuff that is going to be coming out within the next two years that Schnepp was working on. That uh, no one that he couldn't really talk about, but it's going to come out. Oh, cool! So expect some like I guess there's some documentary docu series that he's gonna be having coming out here pretty soon.
1: Yeah, like I remember him on uh, Fat Man on Batman around the same time that Death of Superman Lives first came out. He mentioned that uh, he had such a great time working on that particular documentary that he was gonna start a series of essentially the same thing, like whatever happened to you know. Certain versions of movies that never got made. Um, for instance, there was, I think, a version of Indiana Jones and uh, the Crystal Skull that actually involved. Uh, it, w- it was actually closer to Mars Attacks. Really. In its original incarnation, yeah, it was like actual. I think it was going to be called uh, Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars or something like that. It sounded pretty bonkers. Like it, it was essentially it got whittled down and uh, rewritten over and over until we got the final product, which was the Crystal Skull. But I still wondered like what that would have been like for essentially it would have been like a movie in the 50s with uh, right, like that campiness right, right. aspect to it. Um, I would have liked to have seen something like that. But I yeah, know that
0: he was talking for the longest time about doing a, a similar documentary for Justice League Mortal, which was uh, what's the guy who directed Mad Max Fury Road? Oh yeah, George um, Miller. George, George Miller. Miller's uh, Justice League movie, which had what Army Hammer as Batman and DJ Cortaron as Cortano, something like that, as a as a Superman. Yeah, I remember
1: back when. Um I think Army Hammer was still coming off of the buzz he got from the social network.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, yeah, I was like, Ooh, he sounds like an excellent choice, but instead that went nowhere and he became the Lone Ranger. And I stuff. mean, it
0: didn't go nowhere. It got pretty far, but it was the writer strike that happened in Hollywood at that oh. time that really, that, that shut the whole movie down. So he
1: basically just had to move on to something else. Yes.
0: Oh. Essentially. So. Uh, all right. Jumping off of cool. Warner brothers and DC films, uh, Hulu, uh, I think I talked about this last week, Hulu is doing a new season of Veronica Mars. Uh, they are doing eight new episodes, and um, Kristen Bell is returning as the title character. But they also uh, put out uh, casting breakdowns for some new characters. We got Omad uh, Al-Dani, a recurring guest star who is is a middle Eastern or Asian man in the, in his fifties to sixties, uh, is wealthy, well-educated, uh, hires Mars investigations to find some person responsible for disfiguring his son. He solved, he solves all of his problems with, uh, money and fears the attack was a message for him. Lola Althani, uh, a recurring guest star who is a middle Eastern Asian woman in her fifties to sixties, obviously the wife of the, of aforementioned character, uh, Aliyah Gwyn, a reoccurring guest star, who is an African American woman in her in her thirties uh, to early forties, sexy but cynical. Aliyah owns a popular nightclub for spring breakers. Veronica thinks this club is the connection of series of spring break killings. Sheriff Marcy, I know, sorry, Marsha Langdon. Uh, obviously, she's going to be uh, the sheriff of the. She's going to be African American. She's going to be the sheriff of, of Neptune. Um, finally getting all the corrupt cops out of Neptune. Alonzo Lozano. Alonzo Lozano. Yeah, that's a weird name. Uh, man in his mid-30s to mid-40s. Mexican cartel. Hitman who own, who comes to Neptune to find and kill the person who killed his boss's wife's nephew. Boss's wife's nephew. Uh, he finds love in the beach town and starts to rethink his career. Dodi Mendoza. Man between 50 and 70. Uh, Mendoza is Alonzo's partner and is looking forward to retirement. Harvey Moon, reoccurring guest star, who is man in his forties, a talkative pizza delivery guy who loves true crime. Uh, Clyde Pickett, recurring guest star, who is a man between 40 and 60. Pickett is an ex-con that protected a rich real estate developer, Big Dick Casablancas, in prison. Now he is Big Dick Fixer, uh... But in reality, he is cleverer and more dangerous than his boss, with a network of ex-cons to do his dirty biddings. That's uh, the best nickname to have ever. Uh, Big Dick, yes. Big Dick Casablanca's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the Casablanca's family is is pretty great in that show. I, like I think I asked you the last time. You did you ever watch any Veronica Mars? No, I've never seen anything about it. So Ryan Hansen plays Little Dick Casablanca's, I guess <laughs> is the best way to put it, because he plays junior. Uh, but uh, the, who was it that played the older version? Who was it? I think was it was it I think it was uh Harry Hamlin played Big Dick Casablancas, but I'm not sure. I might be wrong. I might be thinking that wrong. Okay. Either way, it doesn't matter. Uh yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting to see uh if they come back. Uh who, who comes back and, and for what. Like I, I loved that show when it was on, so I'm interested to see what, what happens. Skipping over to uh, CW and another female detective, Nancy Drew, old book series. Apparently, uh, CW is developing a new show with um, Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage of Fake Empire um, and CB- CBS TV Studios to create a CW show or a Nancy Drew CW show. Uh, did you ever read the Nancy Drew books as a kid?
1: You know, as a kid. The Nancy Drew books were basically side-by-side side with the Hardy Boys
0: right I think they even had crossovers at points. And they did
1: yes um, But I only ever read the Hardy Boys. I never got into her stuff um, But from what I've read they're interesting because they provide that you know basically a different point of view on solving mysteries and you know using your wits and such so I think it would be a good idea for a show. It kind of probably falls very similar in line to what Maron- Veronica Mars does.
0: I, I mean, I definitely felt like Veronica Mars... I never read the Nancy Drew books. I knew of them. Uh, I feel like Veronica Mars was a modern-day version of Nancy Drew. At least that's what they were trying to do. So yeah. now that we're going to get an even more modern take with a 18-year-old Nancy Drew, because the idea sounds like the idea for the show is going to be uh, Nancy Drew after the, the summer of her... After her graduation from high school, like, she's on her way to going to college, but then something happens in her family that she has to solve the crime and keeps her in her hometown.
1: You know what I always wish they would have made is Encyclopedia
0: Brown. Oh, I loved Encyclopedia Brown! Yeah, I read all of those as a kid. and I read a few of those, but I remember the show that was on HBO. Like, I watched that half-hour show that was on yeah, HBO. Yeah, they had
1: an animated one. I never watched it, but I always wanted to see, like, a live-action version where, like, you know, the kid just... Uses his wits and, like, logic and all these things. Yeah, I, I mean, he's
0: essentially a, a uh, Sherlock Holmes. It's just he knows yeah. a lot of information and things, you know, that's kind of the reason why he figures things out. And
1: I'm kind of, I, I don't want to say I'm ashamed to admit this, but there's been a few times where I've actually referred to, like, his analytical methods for like solving actual complex real world problems <laughs> that I've had to come across. How do you
0: how, like explain? Go deeper.
1: Um, Well, a lot of what Encyclopedia Brown used to do was, uh, you know, cause and effect type situations mm-hmm. um, and using logic and also kind of just posturing a little bit. Like mm-hmm. just when you know, like when you, you look like you sound like you know what you're talking about, you have carry a little more authority. Right. So, I've taken cues from some of the things that he's done. It's like, as you can clearly see, as a result of this happening over here, <laughs> it had to direct, you know, just kind of following that kind of line of thinking. Because a lot of them were pretty logical. There was just a few that, like, here and there where I was like, well, that's just cheating. How are you supposed to know that? Um, but
0: well, like one of the ones I remember from the books is, uh, I remember, because his dad was the sheriff or yeah, something like that of the town. He was like the cop, the uh, was uh, he was a police chief or something. Yeah. And uh, his dad he, his dad took him along to go and question uh, someone. That they were found as a p- person of interest in a crime that happened.
1: Oh, is this is the one where the little kid was on
0: the hood Yes, of the, car? the little kid was yeah. on the hood of the car. <laughs> he's like, oh, you need to go take in that guy because he's lying. And his dad's like, why? How do you know that? He's like, he put the kid's... Feet on the car, and if he had been driving around that car all day, like he says, then little kid would have burned his feet. Would have burned his feet, yeah. and I was like, I always think about that, like, yeah, I think exactly, about that one right? all the time. There's so. a
1: similar one to that where they're accusing, um, there was like a bully that was like his nemesis, mm-hmm. I can't remember his name, but I always imagine him looking like Roger from uh, Doug. Okay, and um, there was a, a, a one part where. They're accusing this kid of lighting fireworks, and they basically catch him red-handed because he's, like, standing in a pile of, like, fireworks under, like, some trees. Mm -hmm. And um, Encyclopedia Brown, like, says to one of the cops that came in to try to take in the the kid that was being framed. It was actually the bully that Mm -hmm. had been lighting fireworks, but he did it, like, days before. And Encyclopedia Brown says, uh, you can take him, but you'd be taking an innocent man or an innocent boy. Right. And they're like, why do you say that? And then, like, he, as he explains, he was like, well, as you can clearly see, you know, we are surrounded by birds right now. And even the slightest firecracker would have caused them all to fly away in terror and, like, all this other <laughs> crazy explanation. And I was like, huh. Okay. And now I always think about something like that when I see, like, just a bunch of birds on trees or on power lines. I was like, I could set off a firework and they'd all
0: be gone. They'd all go. I, I don't think you need to set up a firework. Like <laughs> simply clapping would probably make it happen. But all right. Fair enough. Funny that we started off talking about Nancy Drew and this went into Encyclopedia Brown. Hey,
1: well,
0: you know, uh, that's uh, what works. All right. Uh, something that I'm sure that you were very vested in as a, as, as a much younger John. Uh, Jordan Peele is in talks to remake Clive Barker's Candyman. Uh, were you a Candyman fan? I was um
1: i I just really loved that dude's voice,
0: Tony Todd, yes. yes, Tony Todd is amazing, he
1: sounds so great, wasn't he also in um at least one of the final destination? movies? I know he
0: was in the first one, I don't know after that, but he's the the coroner yeah. or the mortician, I'm sorry, the mortician in the in the
1: which I in my own head canon, I want to believe that he's actually just the incarnation of death giving them the the actual like warning
0: I honestly feel like that that's what they were telling the, the movie tells you that he's death like he's telling them like I'm coming for you kind of thing
1: yeah but but the, the he, he has one throwaway line where he says like you think that like messing up death's plan is like the worst thing ever like you don't even know who you're dealing with and he mentions that there's worse things out there than death. In like, I guess the the cosmic uh, interpretation of it. And I'm like, okay, so if death is working for someone else or there's something higher than death, I want to know about that. That sounds like an amazing story.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I never, I always think, I always find like death or the angel of death kind of thing like as getting a bad rap. Like people fear the incarnation of death because it it's associated with dying but literally i think all the stories tell you that death or the grim reaper or you know the angel of death are literally just coming to usher you into the next place you died for some some reason and this person or this entity is coming to help you like that's how i see it i guess but uh they're not th- he's not there to actually kill you you're already dying
1: yeah He's not the cause of your death. He's just there because you're going to die. Right. Well, even so, though, like just the idea of like death being like the middleman mm-hmm. and there being something even greater, like some Lovecraftian or, <laughs> you know, mythological being that's even worse than like death is technically like on your side. Right. And he's there to make your passing as, you know, painless as possible. As, yeah. Or, or, or as, as, Seamless. as easy as transition yeah. as possible. Like with uh, the dead, like me, situations where they always True. talk to you first yeah. to kind of just acclimate you to the process of dying, and um, yeah, so I was like, man, there's like there's some good mythology there, but I don't think they ever explored it any further. I think I only saw like the second sequel, and that was it.
0: Well, one of the things I think is interesting about the whole uh, Jordan Peele doing a remake of this is the is the political aspect, the the racial aspect of it, because you know if you remember in the the first Candyman, I don't think I ever watched any of the other Candymans after that. I think there's two and then three. But, uh, you know, he's the son of a, of a slave that got strung up and killed because he married a white woman. And, uh, you know, and essentially he's cursed and then put they put bees in his mouth and, you know, chopped off his hand. Gabe put a hook on there kind of thing. So, obviously, there's a lot of racial issues behind the story of the Candyman. Now, you take Jordan Peele, who made Get Out, which is obviously very racial and political. And I think this new one is called Us, which he's working on right now, is also supposed to be a racial, political movie. Uh, what would he do with this storyline that already establishes something like that and, and probably going to build off of it?
1: I don't know, but I think funny people also make really, really good like genre jumps. Mm-hmm. So, I'm really excited about what he could do with uh with candyman as far as the horror aspect of it
0: uh same same because
1: it's uh very like what was his main thing like like if you say his name like three times in the five mirror, times five times yeah, he'll appear and and then like, kill you open his mouth and bees will come out
0: and bees attack you he he hooks you through the you know your heart or whatever
1: yeah, so. I, I just
0: don't understand why it is that people want to do these things if they all, all the result is you're gonna die like is is there a chance that you could possibly uh survive it or beat beat the candyman or Bloody Mary or Beetlejuice or anything like that?
1: I don't know, yeah, like it's the I don't remember the story of candyman that well to be like, well, what's the motivation like what's the point like is he only killing like descendants of like the, or, the people like, that what, killed him yeah like what's going on there like does he only kill like white people <laughs> I, well have to go I just all
0: I remember is Virginia Madison. Madsen is in the movie and she's like the the main protagonist and then I and then uh, what? I'm sorry uh, spoilers for a over 30 year old movie but she ends up getting she ends up dying and the curse kind of uh, goes on to her because I remember her ex-husband who was a kind of a dick like says her name in the mirror at the end of the movie like five times and then she just shows up and and you know about to kill him and that's where the camera ends. Or so the, then she becomes the candy band? Yeah. It's essentially I don't who knows? I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, I. that was such a long time ago and I've never watched it since.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it was also probably just an excuse to have like, you know, somebody kill people in creative ways. I'm sure that was Oh yeah. It's a slasher film. But it the the yeah, But the it is Clyde Barker. Oh yeah. Well, the idea of somebody with like a political slant to it and also a wicked sense of humor. Uh, It does sound pretty appealing. Like that could be the the right way to reboot something.
0: Right. Uh, So, did you watch the Fast and the Furious franchise? I
1: haven't kept up with like the last two, I think.
0: Oh, well, the last two would would definitely be the ones, especially the last one is when you got all this, uh, the Rock and Jason Statham teaming up. Even though they hate each other kind of stuff. And well, because of that, they have a spinoff movie coming out called Hobbs and Shaw, which Vin Diesel is not happy about at all. He does not like the idea that there's going to be a uh, spinoff movie that does not have to do with him. And it's not cool. But The Rock posted on his Instagram that uh, uh, filming for the Hobbs and Shaw movie has officially started. And the picture is the director, David Letch. I believe it's David Letch. Yeah. David Letch, and Jason Statham standing in front of a very, very fast-looking car.
1: <laughs> it's got racing stripes and everything?
0: No, it's just, you know, got the folding up doors and a spoiler, and it's very sleek-looking. I don't know. Oh, those I, are nice rims. I don't know anything about cars. Yeah, me neither.
1: <laughs> you put gas in it, you press the pedal. That's all I know.
0: There you go. So, I, I'm excited. I love the Fast and the Furious movies, So uh, and I, then I love the, the Rock and Jason Statham, and I think the two of them working together is going to be amazing, so...
1: Yeah, I remember, I haven't seen, I guess 7 and 8 are where you have uh, Jason Statham really coming in.
0: Statham comes in in 7, and yeah, 8 is when they they take him out of the prison that they put him in at the end of 7 to team him up so that they can take down Charlize Theron's character, who was the one that was actually pulling Jason Statham's uh, strings in the the seventh movie and then pulling Jason Statham's brother's strings in the sixth movie.
1: Wow. And then they have to like team up against a submarine or something. Well,
0: yeah. J- Charlize Theron has a, uh, Russian nuclear sub that she's going to, you know, wreak havoc on the world with. And they, they, you know, they all have to team up to take the sub down.
1: Of course. Of course. Now I, the only thing I've seen from any of these movies besides the trailers is the part where Hobbs and Shaw are in some kind of prison together and the rock rips the sink out of his cell
0: i think it's actually the bed it's like it's the, the, bed. the bed that's bolted down to the ground if i remember correctly the big metal bed and he just rips it out of the cement and and throws it yeah and it
1: starts curling it like to work out or yeah
0: that, maybe that's what it is i don't remember but yeah he's yeah he's ridiculously uh, ripped in the movie yeah, well, he's ridiculously ripped in real life. This is true, but like even more so. Like this is the it's heightened a little. Yeah, it's the we're you know the 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 tricks that they do where they don't drink any water 24 hours before filming, oh, and yeah. they they do a bunch of uh, push-ups right before the camera says action, kind of thing, so that their muscles are even bigger and tighter,
1: like super pronounced. Yeah, yeah.
0: that's like really dangerous. I hear like you can very dangerous. And,
1: yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, maybe one day I'll be there. (laughs) Maybe.
0: I already don't drink water, so I'm just like halfway there. That's dangerous. (laughs) You're going to get kidney stones. Uh, All right. So moving on to the next one, Bond. Bond 25, you know, Danny Boyle left. He left that movie.
1: Yep. Now, I don't know if this would be considered a spoiler or not. I probably would be but it rumor has it or maybe it's been stated that the reason why he left was because plans are for Bond to die in this next movie.
0: I didn't I didn't hear that rumor but I heard that I mean it's definitely was uh creative differences like he wanted certain he wanted certain things to happen and certain people or certain characters to happen in the in the movie and they said no.
1: Yeah. And I guess part of what they were going to try to establish, because I think for realsies now, I think uh, Daniel Craig doesn't want to do any more after this. So uh, what they wanted to do was, uh, from what I've heard, was uh, basically write him out by having him die and then having the 007 um, moniker call call sign be always associated now with James Bond. So then it would end with the next person taking over essentially being someone else. And there's like, you are now James Bond, 007. And that would finally confirm the fan theory that... Yeah, I was
0: going to say that's a fan theory that's gone around for a very long time. I don't think... I mean, obviously Skyfall says you can't do that because it was the Bond family estate that they go to.
1: Right. But this would essentially be making it canon that from now forward, that is how it is. That technically Daniel Craig is... The first James the original, Bond, and um, then
0: everyone after that is just taking on like the the Dread Pirate Roberts.
1: Essentially, yes. Uh,
0: I mean, sure, that's a thing that they could do. I don't think that's what they ever do. I just think, I just think it's a mythology that just can keep going. Like you just recast it, and then you just you don't bring any attention to it. It's just another story in the Bond ethos.
1: It always bothered me though that whenever they would do that, like Dame Judy Dench, you know, carried over from. Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig.
0: Yeah, it's true. And so did uh M. Didn't he? But didn't they keep the same or not M, but uh Q. Q. Yeah, yeah, wasn't the Q same was Q like in, in the Q, first in Q
1: was basically the same Q f- like from all the way from like the first Bond to I believe Die Another Day.
0: Okay. And then he didn't he didn't he didn't
1: get moved over into the the Daniel Craig Bonds? No, he died before they started those movies, I believe. There mm. wasn't even a Q in Casino Royale, I believe. He wasn't introduced until
0: John Cleese. Uh. I thought John. Oh, John Cleese. I thought John Cleese was oh, no was no. He was in the. He was in the Pierce Brosnan movies. Yeah. He was supposed to take place after Q. Yes. Like, when he, they switched he, out, he called there him was, R or something like that.
1: Yeah. They even had a scene where. Uh, they're essentially acknowledging that this is going to be Q's like last movie, right? Um, you know, he says, you know, and w- one more thing, Bond, like always have a, an escape plan or a plan B or whatever. As he's being like symbolically lowered into the ground uh, and disappears, <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's uh, you're dead. <laughs> that's
0: that's foreboding, yeah. Uh, well, uh, they have hired, uh, uh, they have cast the villain of Bond twenty five. Uh, the actor, and I know I'm butchering his name, Saeed Tagamoya, uh, a French-American actor of Moroccan descent, who we most recently saw in Wonder Woman as one of the characters, a part of... He's one of the Howling Commandos. It's not Howling Commandos, <laughs> because it's that Howling Commandos is, is Marvel, but it's one of uh, Steve Trevor's. One of the equivalent Howling yeah, Commandos exa- of DC. It, yes. Okay. Fair enough. But yes, you was... call them
1: the Screeching Banshees or something.
0: No, they have a name. Is it is it Easy Company or is that Sergeant Rock? Sergeant Rock and Easy Company. I don't remember. Steve is Steve Trevor's guys, but uh, yeah, he's the one that speaks French, obviously.
1: He speaks a crap ton of languages,
0: apparently. Yeah, that's right. He did speak to crap ton. He's of the languages. linguist. So, uh, yeah, he will be playing the villain in Bond 25 as of right now.
1: He looks like a villain, Bond villain. Really? Yeah, he's got that look to it. He kind of reminds me, I don't know if he's the same actor, but he looks like that dude from the first G.I. Joe movie that likes to play with the rats.
0: he I think he was in a G.I. Joe movie. Well, he was a good guy, though. He yeah. was one of the Joes. Yeah, yeah, that was him.
1: Oh, yeah, that was the same guy then, yeah. I was like, he's just got this, like... Rat like face of like, <laughs> just can't be like there's something shady about him. So, uh, good, I, good villain in the making.
0: I'm sure he does not like the idea of being known as that. Well, you know, what are you gonna <laughs> do? Uh, all right, coming out of the Toronto International Film Festival this year, uh, a the, the idea or a movie, a documentary is being shopped around. It's called Memory of the Origins of Alien. Uh, it is a documentary about the making of Alien. 40 year anniversary. How do you feel about that? Do you think there's still stuff out there that, could be, that needs to be known about Alien? I mean, I don't know what else they could
1: talk about at this point. I feel like it's one of those movies that's so beloved and so talked about that I would genuinely be surprised if they still have some kind of archival footage that, that people haven't seen. Yeah, that hasn't been out yet or interviews or, with the cast or something. Or stories. Um, I mean, most of the cast is still alive, right? I mean, Sigourney Weaver is. Sigourney Weaver, Tom Skerritt. And uh, Ian Holm, I think, is still alive. Ian Holm, he played Bishop? Uh, no, he played... Bishop was uh, Lance Henriksen. Um, oh, he wait. He played I, the other android.
0: I know. thought they were both called Bishop, but they're not both called no, Bishop. No, no. Oh.
1: Um, oh, you're testing me now. I can't remember what he was called in the first one. Uh, but yeah, he was a different uh, named android. But he was an android. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I think there is a market out there for it. As we were talking, documentaries and making ofs and stuff uh, with the Justice League or or whatever the the death of Superman lives kind of thing. So
1: yeah, it'd be really cool. There's there. I mean, there's already been documentaries uh, about just the fact of like H R. Giger's work. Is he still alive? Oh no, he's dead. He's been dead a long time. I believe he died in two thousand and seven. Okay, so
0: relatively recent. Yeah. But.
1: And um. You have, and uh, obviously
0: Ridley Scott's still alive. Well, yeah, he's still alive. So yeah, you can have interviews with him.
1: You can have him talk about how awesome he is and
0: uh, how I people mean, don't understand his work. When you're awesome, you're awesome. So Yeah, well, everything is awesome. Nope, we don't talk <laughs> about it here. All right, last thing we want to talk about, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul joins season three of Westworld. We, we have no idea what season three is going to really be about. Nope. And the, the hosts have made it to the real world, as we've seen with the you. two Doloreses. But uh, what do you think Aaron Paul's character will be? Because um, they have—they literally have released nothing about whether or not he's going to be human or host.
1: I'm thinking maybe we're going to have a jump forward in time. Because as we remember, the season finale has a, a strange time jump where the man in black is now in the, the cradle or the forge or whatever. Right. They're testing him for... Um, Com-
0: Compliance? No. What was that word? It's uh, um, Reli- competency? Reliability or something no. like that? No. Well, that word. Fidelity.
1: Fidelity, yes. Thank you. Uh, mutual of Omaha. Yep. So, um, my theory, because we at this point we have absolutely nothing to go on other than he's just going to be in it. Um, I'm going to say, what if it's a few years in the future and they just reopened the parks? Oh, like, okay, We're okay. pulling a Jurassic Park, Jurassic yes. World thing here. <laughs> yes. So and but they're gonna do it backwards. Now it's gonna be called West Park instead of West World. Ah. Uh, yes. You gotta keep with the Michael Crichton, you know, themes.
0: No, but it's gonna be West it's gonna be Future World, just like we saw in the movies. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. So if if they actually follow the plot line of Future World, then and it kinda ties in with what we saw a little bit in season two, then part of the plan is to replace important figures with The uh, androids, I guess, Mm -hmm. basically make copies of them and um, Ah. put them in positions of power and whatnot. So they'll slowly be infiltrating the uh, infrastructure of the governments of the world. So maybe he could be, uh, you know, like some political figure, maybe. 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 I don't know. Again, we have absolutely nothing to base it on. This is pure speculation.
0: But <laughs> So he's going to be like the president and be like, politics, bitch. Yeah. Kind of <laughs> Diplomacy, bitch. Exactly. Yeah, because he cannot get away from being Breaking Bad, Jesse Pinkman. Yeah. Which I don't care. I never liked that show. Anyways, that's another podcast. All right. That's all the news we're going to talk about today. Let's get to... And we're done. Good night, guys. <laughs> no, no. no we, still got, we, we promised everybody we would talk about episode nine of electric dreams episode nine for us episode three for the bbc episode one on the dvd apparently which i found out in the trivia uh this one is going to be starring timothy spall if anybody remembers him he played peter Pettigrew most famously on in the harry potter movies uh, as our main character ed jacobson he works for the british transit I've, yeah the train the, system whatever the London
1: you Underground or whatever it's called yeah
0: and uh one day as he's working at the the ticket booth um a lady comes up to him and says hey I'd like a ticket to Macon Heights yep. and he's like there's no such place please buy a ticket to a real place <laughs> and she strikes up a, a cigarette and he's like you can't smoke that here please buy a ticket to a real place." And as he goes to prove to her that this place doesn't exist, she vanishes. And it kind of starts off this whole, like, his him questioning his reality and world. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I give to, to give my initial thoughts on this, this episode was not good. Once again... Once I think what we're I'm finding with a lot of these episodes of these this show, and I don't I really wonder if it's how the short stories work, and it, I would believe it does because that's kind of how short stories work is that there's no real payoff. These episodes, there's no payoff. Like yeah. the, you get to the end of the episode and you have no idea what is it you're supposed to take from it. Is there a lesson? Is there uh, a moral? Is uh, I mean, are we were we supposed to be rooting for this character or were we supposed to be rooting against this character?
1: Well. The biggest problem for me is that there's absolutely no rhyme or reason for what happens in the episode at
0: least none that that we're told.
1: yes, I mean, so we're we're also skipping the fact that he's he's obviously very miserable in his day to day life like he hates that like people are rude uh it's the mundane aspects of just you know working this shift that he See, does at this train station.
0: I didn't get that. I felt like he was a very happy person, but you do have his wife tell him later on that. What scares me more is that when you put on that fake smile. So yeah. maybe he is very miserable in his everyday life. And like, like w- you're saying, when he's
1: helping the woman with the baby carriage down the stairs the first time, and like he's, he's a- visibly just annoyed as all get out. And
0: I thought he was. I, I to me, I felt like he was smiling. He, and she's like, "Oh, you know, you guys really should put in a lift." And he's like, "Ha ha, yeah, we should put in a lift." Yeah.
1: But- i I read that as like like no duh, like yeah, oh, of course.
0: it's interesting how we both saw that two different ways. Well, I'm a very negative person, and I'm a more positive person, yeah, so um <laughs> and
1: the biggest part of it is that in his home life, uh, he has a troubled son,
0: right. Uh, they, he's obviously on the autistic spectrum at some, at some point, And, and he lashes out violently often you see a part, part, like the first time we're introduced to the character, he is, uh, being brought home by police officers for, uh, for essentially verbally attacking a 14 year old girl. Yes. And scaring her half to death. Um, another time we see him like physically restraining his son when he's having a violent, um, outburst and uh and then, in flashbacks, we see at some points when his son was just kind of banging his own head against the wall kind of thing. so yes, yes. his son has some uh, mental issues, so to speak. yes, so and he doesn't have
1: a very a very fun home life either like this is what he has to look forward to when he's done with like his mundane
0: job. You know, job is comes home to a difficult hey, that's life it, yeah, I think you know that. Just as much as anybody else. I definitely do know So that. it's just a, a, a thing I, I, right there. I was just like, oh, okay, whatever. But uh, he does essentially follow the lady or at least the on the route that she, she describes to get to this Macon Heights that the, doesn't exist. And uh, anybody that's going to this quote unquote stop on the train doesn't the train doesn't actually stop. You just have to jump from a moving train to get there. Yeah, which
1: uh, we both commented, like, this dude looks very old. He should not be jumping out of a Timothy Spale
0: is uh, definitely not a spring chicken and should not be jumping from any tr- moving trains. So
1: so here's where things start taking a turn. So at first, I'm really thinking, oh, this is going to have, like, a Twilight Zone aspect or maybe even, like, a, uh, I want to say something like, uh, what a wonderful life. Oh yeah, it's kind a wonderful of, life. Or it's a wonderful life, where like he's gonna get to see how things could be, or th- if things were different, like if he never got married or something, or if he never had his child, which kinda happen, kind of does happen.
0: Kind of does, yeah. Like at one point in the show, his son disappears, and they kind of him and his wife go through this whole thing of like whether or not he existed or not. Like it seemed like. At some points, his wife was just... He'd walk into a room and his wife is crying. And it's like, she has no idea why she's crying. She just knows that something's missing. Like, that's how I got it.
1: Yeah. But it's not really clear what. And then they also end up, like, having relations. Right. Which I guess is something that wasn't commonplace because of how strained their
0: marriage was. Right.
1: Um, so, you But think, it
0: was obviously on a young person's bed. Yeah. Even though their son is as he's depicted earlier in the show is probably close to 18, at least close to 18. Like he should not be sleeping in a bed. That's for a very young child that that is depicted in that scene.
1: So there's a point where he gets up in the middle of the night, uh, Timothy Spall's character, and he's walking and he he, uh, opens up the ladder to go into the attic and he ends up going into like some weird like pocket dimension where there's like <laughs> videotapes. videotapes of his son,
0: that he watches. But uh, but of a very young version of his son. Yes, uh,
1: they looked like there was like birthday supplies, like a, like a party had just happened.
0: So we we also we also skipped ahead. Like this is all after the point where he finally makes it to Makeham Heights and he sees that it's a very nice place and yes. people are happy all the time and it's something that he definitely wants and. Uh, we come to find out that essentially the woman that he followed, Linda, takes away something that you that that makes you miserable, something in your life that that is not makes it so you're not happy, and then you get to come live in Macon Heights because of that.
1: Kind of yes, except it's not also clear it's exactly not. what happens no. there. Because there's a married there, well there's a young couple who uh, on his first exp- encounter with them you know are happy to announce that they just got engaged. but that happens
0: like three other times Every time he goes back yeah he, he walks out of the diner and yeah they walk up to him like we just got engaged. it's glorious. And even he's like uh, okay and
1: <laughs> like so there is like a really weird aspect where it's almost like, oh is this like a Groundhog day thing? like it's a great day but it's always gonna be the same day um but then a little bit later in in a different visit he comes back and all of a sudden everything's really dour and kind of scary uh there's a dude walking around with like an open gash on his face Mm -hmm. and there's a woman that's freaking out trying to
0: like give her child to him which is also the child that he helped with the carriage down the steps yeah which i didn't understand like why is she there and then the 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 girl in the diner is is remembering the day that she was was raped like some kind of like violently assault. Yeah, yeah violently raped and uh, it's i don't know it's it the <laughs> and then he he's just finding linda so that he can get his son back he's like i don't i don't want to live in this happy world if i can't have my son kind of thing like i want my son like it's even though he brings me a lot of pain it's still he still exists kind of thing
1: they made a mention in passing because i had to like i I watched it and i was very confused and then you know i watched the second half of it with you so i picked up on a couple things it sounded almost like he um him trying like not accepting the false reality and instead trying to go back to i guess the truth Was was what was having the negative effect on the other residents of the town right because they were more than happy to live in denial right whereas because he was fighting it he was ruining it for everyone else
0: everybody else's illusion was also being broken
1: yes. But they never really explain what the heck is going on with the town to begin with. Is it supernatural? It Just- has
0: to be supernatural. It, it has to be some type of pocket dimension. Like, <laughs> you see a point where she's walking, well, the building that she works in, quote unquote, uh, only is, a big, is only a front. Like, literally, there's only a front to the building. They walk through it and the, the door, and then all of a sudden you're in this big white space just like the pocket dimension that had the videotapes and and uh she's like i told everybody that i worked in insurance you're the only one that ever remembered that i told that to and it's like what does that mean (laughs) like we were talking about this earlier like we don't i don't know if maybe there's just subtext here that they don't hammer over your head like with all the episodes like all the episodes that you just don't like you have to be more keen to understand maybe i'm just not intelligent enough to pick up on the Subtext and the metaphor. And I always assume
1: I'm not intelligent enough <laughs> so, to understand. I guess something. that's
0: a good way to go into it. So you know, maybe smarter people understand what what Phil K Dick is saying. I just say, I feel like there's no resolve. There's no punch at the end to be like, "Hey, this is what you were supposed to learn." Kind of thing.
1: It had a very strong vibe of. Um, I believe I mentioned it during the episode of that town in uh, Big Fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what it was called. Like
0: but the one where Lucky. his dad came from and, but then also went back to, and even though, uh, Helen, Helena, Bottom Carter is a person that he helps later on in his, his dad's life. It's also the old witch that scared him when he was a child.
1: Yeah. And it was, uh, I guess like the mayor of the
0: town was Steve Buscemi. Oh, Oh, that town. Yeah. That one. I think I was thinking of a different town. Okay. I don't know. No, no, that was the, same, the same town. town? Okay. Yeah. 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 Like
1: the first time he goes there, it's like real magical and happy the second time, it's, like, more of a ghost town. Especially because
0: he's older, too. He's, yeah. He's, and then,
1: like, the third time, it's com- in complete disrepair.
0: and. But then he bought everything in that town and repaired it all.
1: Yeah, and then kind of brought it back a little bit. Yeah. But there was, like, that weird, because of the, it was a tall tale, like, you right. don't know what exactly is happening uh, don't, there. Let, don't get into this movie. I hate that movie, so. Uh, <laughs> it has its moments. Uh. I like Billy Crudup. Anyway... Um, so, yeah, like we never really fully understand what's going on. Because even the, the woman herself, uh, I think her name was Angela? Linda. Linda. Um, when Timothy Spall goes to visit some old lady somewhere, she has like a, a, a box with like newspaper clippings. About Makeham Heights, About that town, about how it was like theoretically going to be like an experimental town that, you know, was something about it was just going to be like make the residents happy. Uh, But it never actually completed or or even started. It was just an idea. And then Linda was the town architect or designer's daughter who mysteriously disappeared
0: after her father died. So, which makes me think, uh, my initial thought, when she just disappears inside the the commuter train station, like, I think, I thought this had to do with time travel. Okay. So... I mean, that. I think that makes it go back to a, a time travel kind of thing, pocket universe time travel thing. Then I also started thinking when we had all this like walking around inside your brain kind of thing. I was like, oh, maybe he's stuck in, in a coma or something. And that's the end of the episode. He'll wake up and he will find out this all was happening inside of his head. But that never happens either. So
1: no. And then it like, I guess after he basically says, I just want my son back, I don't want to live this illusion that I know isn't real. Um, he just winds back at the train
0: station, like, magically. Which I'm almost positive he doesn't have a job there anymore. Yeah. After he's skipped out on three different shifts. Yeah, he keeps abandoning it and pissing off his and co-worker. Then the, whole, the idea that his co-worker has three kids and he doesn't know about it. Well, yeah, that was another thing, too.
1: Because at one point, he, he says something about your three kids, and I was like, or that one kid, and basically he got it wrong. He got the number of kids wrong. And I started wondering, oh, like, does that mean every time he goes to this town, he's entering a, a, like a parallel universe? Ooh. So when he comes back, it's not the same universe anymore. Like there's going to be a universe where you never had your son or he died early on. Because at one point he has, um, he wakes up, <coughs> Excuse me, Timothy Spall wakes up in his living room. And he looks up at his wife, and it's a scene kind of reminiscent to me of Jacob's Ladder, mm-hmm. uh, when Tim Robbins is like with uh, Danny Aiello at like the chiropractor, and he looks up, and it's almost kind of dreamy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that uh, same kind of feeling to it, where it's like he's not quite fully conscious, and there's like a, a sort of uh, I don't know ethereal element to it. And he's like, How did we meet? And she says, Oh, well, you know, you work in trains, and I was on the train, and someone introduced us, and, and there there we are. And he's like, And then what happened? And she's like, Well, we fell in love, and, and now we're here. You know, like just kind of glossing over basically all their life, all their history. Yeah. yeah. So he's trying to make sense of it. I think he's like, That was kind of my interpretation. But again, it's all it, Elon
0: it, Musk is fucking, uh, we're in a simulation. Yeah. It's like thing. Some,
1: some artificial intelligence is like, pulling the strings there and at the end of the episode he comes back home and his son just
0: happens to be like washing some dishes just and that's where the episode ends it just ends it just goes to black yes like that's it so i don't know uh once again we're at an episode that just does not do anything for me or at least doesn't get there so uh, i can't really recommend it but i would love to hear what other people have to say about this show in yes. all these episodes
1: please tell me how wrong i am <laughs> or not understand how we this. just
0: don't get it um that would be amazing um but if you do have an opinion on the show and we only have one more episode left we'd love to hear from you so if you want to get a hold of me i'm on twitter as at Michipedia ger john is also on twitter as i am at magic bollocks the rest of Geek Elite radio is at Geek Elite radio on twitter at Geek Elite radio on instagram facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite radio is our facebook page and geeklyradio.com is our website. Check out Archive episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying, always remember to geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.